Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. Thank you to those who have taken the time to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps gain more exposure. So if you haven't, I would love if you could take the time, obviously, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you could take the time, just a moment to rate, review or subscribe wherever you listen to your episodes. This week's episode is brought to you by Nook. For over 50 years, Nook has used the latest medical science to develop products that have helped over 50 million children and, of course, their parents. The invention of the original Nook teat inspired by Mother Nature to today's vast range of baby care products, each designed to make life that little bit easier for parents and children, means that Nook is a household name and a recent poll revealed they're still there to be the most popular in Ireland. Nook products are constantly designed and developed with input from medical professionals, midwives and most importantly, the people who know more than anyone else about what a baby bottle needs to offer, mothers. With great products for learning to eat, a range of soothers for breastfed and bottle-fed babies and household and care products, Nook has product solutions that make life easier for parents and children. So Nook products are available in Macaulay Pharmacy, McCabe's Pharmacy, Lloyd Pharmacy and selected Dunn stores and pharmacies nationwide. I will link their website and also their uh, Instagram handle on the show notes. In this week's episode, I chat to Justine King. Many of you will know Justine. She is a freelance stylist and is regularly on Ireland AM giving us all style advice. So I chat to her about the birth of her little boy, Harley. She then tells me how she prepared as much as she could for labour and birth. So she attended a hypnobirthing class, antenatal classes with Connor and also a breastfeeding class before Harley's arrival. Justine then chats us through the details surrounding Harley's arrival into the world. So she was induced as part of the induction trial in the Rotunda. So she chats us through that process. Connor couldn't be by Justine's side due to the restrictions while she was in labour. And unfortunately, he did miss Harley's birth. Um, But they... 
Justine talks us through the decision to kind of park that side of the birth because Connor did walk into a room to see his partner and his new baby and felt happiness straight away. So I, Justine shares so much more in this interview and I'm delighted that she agreed to share her story because I've been following her, her journey for quite some time. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I will chat to you next week. Justine, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our chat. So will we just dive straight into your your pregnancy with Harley? Did you plan on conceiving when you did? Yeah, so I have polycystic ovaries um, and I found that out in my 20s. So I guess for me, I always thought getting pregnant could be quite a long road. Um, and being a mum is something I've wanted from day dot, like I'm the most maternal person. So I knew that this is definitely something that I wanted. But I guess I did kind of have this anxiety around getting pregnant. Um, you hear a lot of the negative stories or the, the hard stories of PCOS. You don't hear as much about like people who got pregnant easily or without help. So I guess once I was with my current partner, um, he knew that relatively early on like when we talked about marriage and kids and stuff, I kind of let him know that like we probably... I probably would want to try for a baby like sooner rather than later. Um, once the timing was right, of course. So we had agreed um, once we knew we were saving for a house. Once we knew the house was happening, that we were like, look, the doctor had said to me it could take us, you know, well over a year. The average couple, they say up to six months. So we kind of knew that and we had a year in our head. So sure enough, um, we got the keys to our house in July 2020 and I got pregnant the week we got our keys so it literally was instant um so I guess um it happened so easily that I spent the first 12 weeks just thinking like not in a negative or anxious way just that like this probably is too good to be true you know we won't get over excited but obviously as the weeks go on I got more and more excited um yeah and couldn't quite believe that I was still pregnant <laughs> once I was able to tell people and all that were you tracking your cycles and did you realize that you had a misperiod yeah, so I had done an early, um, we had done the ovulation sticks and I am so glad I did because it turned out I ovulated day 21 and 22 of my cycle, which I think I, or you could have been trying for months, you know, wondering why it wasn't happening. So I had done an early um, test like four days before and it was negative or five days before. And I kind of said like, oh, and we were like, it wasn't going to happen the first time, grand. And then the day my period was due, I was like, I'm going to do the other one in the pack just to myself. I didn't even tell Connor. And I did it and it was a faint positive. But we were due to go away the following day. And I was kind of thinking like, it's going to be like a boozy, you know, weekend. I was like, I don't want to tell Connor I'm pregnant. And then, you know, we go on this and then I'm really weird. I just wanted to get it confirmed, I decided. So I was like, before I even tell him and get his hopes up, I'm going to go to the doctor. Um, so I went to the doctor that afternoon and I had drank loads of water in the meantime. Now, my first, I had done another pregnancy test actually myself. Again, got a really faint positive, but the doctor's test came back negative or there was no line. I was like, right, well, what do I do now? Like, I obviously imagined this whole thing. <laughs> like, And she was like, look, you could be pregnant. Our tests, you know, they're not as accurate as those four day ones. They're kind of a factory bus test or whatever. Like, go on your trip, but like act as if you're pregnant in terms of obviously not having a drink or whatever else. And see, like, as in, if you're back to me in a week, you're pregnant. So I was like, right. So I did a few tests. I had to tell Connor in a really weird way of like, I thought I was pregnant but the doctor says I'm not but I can't have a drink because I could be uh and then I did another test two days later it was a bit of a stronger line two days later and a week later I was back to the doctor and yeah it was all kind of good news then 
And how did you feel in those early weeks? Did you have any symptoms or any sickness or nausea or anything? Not really, no. And that's why I kind of couldn't believe it either. Because like people were talking about like this nausea or tiredness. I was a bit tired, but I actually didn't feel like that, you know, exhaustion that people talk about. Didn't really have any nausea. So I just kept thinking like this probably isn't. I'm probably imagining this whole thing. And we did an early um, scan at seven weeks and there was a heartbeat. And I think actually they told me that I was actually only six weeks or something. I'd got my date slightly wrong. And then once at 12 weeks, once I saw an actual what looked like a tiny, tiny baby, I was like, wow, it's happening. So yeah, I was pretty lucky. Yeah, those first 12 weeks were a breeze compared to what other people seem to go through. Was Connor able to go in with you for the seven week scan? That was private, yeah. So we went to like a ultrasound suite or something. Um, so he was able to go to that one and then he couldn't go to the 12 week and then he could go to the 20 week. Okay. Yeah. So that was great that he got to be there at that one. But um, I mean, the 12 week, what I kept saying to people at the time was because it was my first time, I didn't know what it was like to ever have a partner at any of those things. So in hindsight, my experience was so positive. It's very easy to say that, that like I was fine doing it alone. Like obviously if my experience had been different or I'd got bad news, it's completely different. But I didn't find the 12 week and stuff on my own, you know, particularly hard because it was very positive and he was waiting in the car and we got a nice picture and all that stuff. So how did you prepare for labour and birth? Did you attend any classes? Did you read books? Tell me what you did. Yeah, so I did hypnobirthing. Um, oh, great. Yeah, which I loved the idea of. I, To be honest, I didn't think I'd put it into practice as much as I ended up having to. Um, my sister was big into, you know, hypnobirthing and she wanted a very natural birth. So I was kind of like, this is kind of her thing, but it sounds interesting. I'll do it. And I was doing um, the Domino Midwives, the Rotunda. So they offered it as part of it. So I was like, look, it's, you know, and it was also COVID. So I was willing to do every single Zoom class and workshop that they offered. So I loved hypnobirthing. Um, and I did, I read their whole book and I did my, what do they call them, ma- ma- mantras or whatever in the bath and the weeks leading up and everything. Mainly, I just quite enjoyed it like as a relaxation technique for those weeks of just like, I didn't have any fear going into birth. Um, and I probably could attribute that to either being naive or hypnobirthing. Um, but that's kind of how I prepared mentally. And then we did do that baby academy um, one day workshop. Um, and I did, breastfeeding was the thing I was probably most anxious about. So I did the Bump Baby and Me breastfeeding class. And I think I did the Rotunda one as well. Um, but yeah, as I say, like every Zoom workshop I saw going, I, I did just because I was bored, it was locked in. Was Connor able to attend any of the classes? So did he attend hypnobirthing or? Yeah, he did hypnobirthing and the antenatal. Um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant that it was all on Zoom because it was very comfortable. And yeah, as you say, he could come along to all of them that were in the evening or the weekend. Yeah. So for those listeners who don't know what the domino scheme is, do you want to just share yeah. a little insight? So it's a midwife-led scheme, um, which the thing that appealed to me most is that you can get um, early transfer home from the hospital um, if you didn't get an epidural and you have it set up ahead of time and all has gone well and there's no complications, you could go home like as little as six hours after the birth. Um, But typically 24 hours after the birth, you go home and then the midwives will call out to you and do your aftercare in the days after the birth in your own home, um, which that just massively appealed to me. Now, the only thing was in the um, during the pregnancy you don't do very many scans you do your 12 and your 20 week um, and I know some friends who that would f- find that very you know disappointing they didn't get to see the baby very much um, but for me yeah I couldn't fault it like I thought the dominant scheme was absolutely brilliant and especially once I had them you know their level of knowledge and breastfeeding and everything and getting that care in your own home was incredible so yeah it was lovely um, the only complication actually in my pregnancy was that I did get COVID six months into the pregnancy 
Um, so then once I recovered from that, I had to go in through the obstetrician route and go to a couple of scans and stuff to make sure everything was okay. And then I was put back on Domino. Do you want to chat to us a bit about that and testing positive and how you felt? It was a lot. It was very bad timing. It was Christmas Eve and we were packed up. We were, we hadn't moved into our house yet. So we were living in Connor's mum's apartment. Thankfully she was away. So it was just the two of us. And we were all set to go see my family for Christmas. And he had a sniffle on the 23rd, went and got a test because he just, just in case. And he got his result then on the 24th and Christmas was cancelled. So we were fairly sure I was going to get it then, or I had it at that point. So we obviously had to just isolate ourselves for Christmas. And then I went for a test. I started to feel a tickle in my throat that night, Christmas Eve. And I went for a test Stephen's day and came back positive. So to be honest, none of the information had come out at that stage about, you know, the terrible stories about the stillbirths and stuff. So the there was only like the only information was it doesn't affect babies in utero. You know, pregnant women don't get any worse affected. Um, so I wasn't scared for me, actually, weirdly. And I wasn't scared for the baby. Um, the worst part was that you couldn't take anything for it. So because obviously when you're pregnant. So and I couldn't get any information because it was Christmas. So ringing, you know, even the rotunda, there was like skeletal staff. My GP was off for Christmas. So I was just trying desperately to find out. Was there anything at all I could take? Um, but it was lemon water and Panadol. But anyway, I recovered fine. I had 10, 10 days of a decent flu, like, and then recovered fine. And the baby was thankfully fine. You must have been exhausted, though. A flu on its own is bad enough without being heavily pregnant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, we kept laughing, saying, like, Connor was more tired than me and I was six months <laughs> pregnant. I don't know whether, because I felt my whole pregnancy, because it was lockdown, most of it, I was doing so little, like I had very little work on, very little demands of me, like, you know, socially or anything. I didn't feel that tired because I just felt like, like, what am I doing? I'm walking from the couch to the bath. And like, I really wasn't doing very much for the whole nine months. So the same with COVID. I didn't find completely, it completely exhausting. Um, and once I knew the baby was safe, I was fine. There's definitely some takeaways from COVID. Like what you're saying there is you were, you had no choice but to just chill out and relax and not do yeah. a whole lot so you had no stresses or strains and then similarly when you are postpartum the other side of your pregnancy you are kind of you're forced to slow down and you don't open your doors to everybody which is what we need for the first few days if not weeks yeah and then the transition I think from co- from lockdown into new motherhood was not as extreme you know people keep saying how did you find it and I'm like I didn't go from having like a roaring social life because of lockdown. So I just felt like all I did at the time was get out for a walk a day and then you have a new baby and you get out for a walk a day with the baby. So I didn't find it this like major change. Whereas I think that I got pregnant in 2019, I would have been shocked by how much my life had to become a standstill really and slow down for this baby. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, it was a positive from going from lockdown to baby. (laughs) So how did you feel in your final trimester? Yeah, like, honestly, I, like, I pretty much felt good the whole thing. Like, I remember the second one being like, God, you'd think, and lots of people say that you'd think you weren't even pregnant, like in the second one, because you feel so good. Um, towards the end, I mean, I definitely felt the weight. I remember, like, I'm big into my walking and stuff and going out for a walk and being like, I actually can't believe I'm turning back because my feet are sore um, just from the extra weight. Um yeah, I, I didn't, thankfully didn't have many negative things. Sorry, I had really bad heartburn. That was a big one until I got prescription tablets. Yeah, that was probably the worst. And my skin, which is just a 
ego thing, but or a vanity thing, my skin for my entire pregnancy was brutal. And towards the end, that completely flared. So physically, I felt, you know, that I looked awful in that sense, but I didn't, um, I didn't feel bad. I was very lucky um, with my symptoms really for the whole pregnancy. And did you really go hell for leather there then with the hypnobirthing with your tracks playing and everything? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I just loved baths. Baths were a huge part of my pregnancy. And interestingly, I'll say that in labor, I ended up having a bath, but it was a huge, I really think of like my pregnancy, I think of my baths um, and I would blur the hypnobirthing tracks and I'd sleep to them actually. Kind of just, I found them so relaxing. I really didn't know was I going to put them into practice in, in the actual labor, but I, yeah, I did definitely listen to them a lot in those final weeks. There's so much excitement in a family when there's a new baby on the way and very often you'd have help with doing washing, getting the house ready. But was it predominantly just yourself and Connor due to COVID or did you have any help? Yeah, I mean, I did all of that. Like we kept laughing, but like when people talk about nesting, I'm like, I've been nesting since the day I was born. I'm such a like organized. I think I washed everything as soon as I bought it and I bought so many clothes throughout the pregnancy for the baby. So I probably, I was well organized before I got to like a nesting period. Uh, but no, my mum was over and helping me um, with various things. We just moved into the house. So we actually had a lot to organize in our new house. And I don't know why I got the nursery ready and he's never slept in there. He's four months <laughs> we'll old now. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just got the nursery as if they're going to sleep there the first night. It was perfect. Um, but yeah, no, my mum was definitely a big help and my sister as well. So do you want to talk us through your first signs of labor? So I actually opted for the 39 week induction in the rotunda, which is quite controversial or people find it controversial but I my biggest fear and I know through hypnobirthing it talks a lot about you know how important the relaxed mother is for an easy gentle birth and I had to just really listen to myself and my biggest fear was going two weeks over um whereas I know as a lot of people want to push it out as long as they can I just I had a few friends who kind of you know had done 42 weeks and very long labors and then they ended up in a c-section and I I just had it in my head I didn't want a long labor and then a c-section I was totally open to if I had to have a c-section but I just an emergency c-section after a long labor was the kind of the only thing on my birth preference sheet I think um so when I heard about the home induction I first I guess thought that it meant I was getting more time at home with Connor and obviously with COVID restrictions I was like that sounds amazing. And then I'll hopefully be four centimeters. We'll both go into the hospital and that would be the easy way out. But they explained to me, that's not, you go in and you get the pessary, you go home for 24 hours, unless you go into active labor in the meantime, and then you come back in and then they break your waters and probably give you syntocin at that stage. So I still, I don't know what it was, but I listened to my body and for something was telling me that this was right for me. Um, so I found out all about the trial um, I did the research on it about why they were doing it and what they believe why 39 weeks is the optimum time to be induced. Um, and yeah, I guess I just decided that this felt right for me. So I only told my family and my best friend because um, I still thought like last minute I might end up pulling out. And I was like from 37 weeks doing the like Clary Sage uh, raspberry leaf tea. Like I was trying to make it happen myself. But um they brought me in at 39 plus two um, and I met with the obstetrician that was leading this study and I really liked her. I kind of, I'd spoken to her already, I think on the phone and by email, but I liked, I just got a good sense. You know what I mean? I felt very relaxed going into this. So they basically divide you into two different groups for this study and it's either the prostaglandin pessary or I think it's a mechanical induction, um, dilapan S, but I was in the pessary group. 
So I went in and essentially it's like they put in a flat tampon that morning. Um, and she said to me, they obviously do all the checks. And she said, the head is engaged. The head is down, but it's not engaged. And you're a first time mother and your family don't have a history of fast labors or anything. So realistically, you'll probably go home, have a lovely day, get loads of rest. You're going to have a big day tomorrow and um, enjoy your time, you and your partner. And we'll probably see you at seven o'clock tomorrow morning to break your waters and we'll go from there. So I'm like, grand, that's great. So I think I even drove myself in, did I? I can't even remember. Connor wasn't off. He was working from home that day because the next day was going to be go day. And I came home and my friend, two people I know actually had got the pessary for various reasons. And both of them had described like those 24 hours as like the most lovely time. They got a really nice takeaway, like all this. And one of them had gone for a walk on the beach. Like the minute I got into the house, I started to feel period pain. And I was like, God, I'm going to go up to bed because they said to rest. I'll bring a hot water bottle up. This is obviously just period pain as a result of all these hormones. Like I didn't think it was labor yet. So I got into bed and I texted my friend saying like, you mentioned going for a walk on the beach. Like, how did you do that? So I was like, I wouldn't be leaving my house. Like I'm fairly doubled over here. And she was like, oh no, like that didn't happen till 11 o'clock that night when I was in labor. She was like, it sounds like you're in labor. I like, oh geez. So I texted my mom and she came over and she has four kids and you know she's been through this so she said look it sounds like you're in labor but you're in very early labor you're chatting away to me you're having the crack like this could go on for days so let's just take it nice and easy today she brought me like magazines and we watched Netflix and sat on my birthing ball but I didn't really know what I was doing on it it's kind of like I think this is what you do um and yeah we had a nice day and like that was that the good thing about the induction trial is that the consultants call you throughout the day to check in on you and they make you actually note every two hours how like frequent your contractions are I think how strong they feel and like just little things like any blood blah 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 so because I had to actually write that down for them and check in with them I knew like how I was progressing and they were quite surprised, like when they rang and said, like, that sounds like you actually are in labor. Like the girl they saw that morning, they didn't think this was going to happen so quickly. So eventually, I think the last call I had from them was about 9 p.m. And they had said, it sounds like you're going to be in tonight. Um, but stay at home as long as you can, which I know they say that to everyone. We're only 10 minutes from the hospital. And I had the TENS machine going. So I had said, like, I'm nearly on level, whatever it is, five, like the highest on the TENS machine here. So he was like, come in when you feel you need extra pain relief, essentially. So myself and Connor just kind of, yeah, did that. Like I, looking back, me and my sister when you're talking about this, had I known how much labor progresses or how strong the pain gets, I probably wouldn't have bothered doing all the different labor positions I was doing at home. Like it wasn't actually that bad, but I was doing the like things I'd learned in hypnobirthing. So I was like, you know, bending, leaning against the wall. But I'm like, in retrospect, I don't know if I needed to be doing that at that stage. Um, but I was. You just have no idea what's ahead. <laughs> I remember texting my sister when I was in, on the, in the car on the way up to the coom saying, never again am I doing this. And when I got to the hospital, I wasn't even dilated. I had no idea what was ahead. And I thought, this is it. This is the peak of it. When really it wasn't even the tip of the iceberg. It's so funny the way you. Yeah. Yeah. Connor describes, he's like, God, the noise is coming out of you there. And you heard me later. Like, I was like, I was kind of going through the motions. I was in a lot of pain, but like, yeah, it definitely was probably like, oh, people say they kind of moo like a cow. I'm going to do that now. Um, (laughs) So anyway, eventually at about half 11, I decided I was going to go into the hospital because I was like, I think I'm ready for my epidural here. And 
I also had this thing in my head that the idea of staying at home, I wanted to be in one place for the night. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So I was kind of like, if I stay here and I have to go in at three o'clock in the morning, I don't really like that. I'd rather just go in and be in there or be here. Um, but honestly, I probably thought I was close to four centimeters at that stage. I probably thought like I wasn't going in for too long. Um, so I had a shower at home. And off we went, forgot our birthing balls, which turned back, got that, <laughs> went back again. And then, yeah, that was probably for me, the scariest part, if I'd even use that word. I never really felt fear through the whole labor, but I arrived at the rotunda and I was so used to seeing it in the daytime with so many people and the brightness and the busyness. And it was so dark you know, it just, for me, gave me a bit of a fright as I got in. There was two security guards there and everything seemed to be closed up. And then they said to Connor, you just, you have to leave her bags there. And I was like, oh God. And I was in a lot of pain then because I remember them asking me, you know, my details at the reception and being like, I can't believe I have to give this myself. You know what I mean? Like I want my partner to say this to me. I just can't even think straight. And they asked me to put on a mask, which I remember thinking like, come on. (laughs) I did the COVID test the day before. I'm, about, I'm in labor. We're about to go upstairs. Like, yeah. Did, so I don't sorry, know. Did someone carry your bags? Yeah, up they told him to leave them at the door. We say goodbye. And they said they'd be brought up. So they didn't bring them up right away. I actually, this is the one part I can't remember is, did I go up on my own in the lift or did a security guard come up? I think I went up on my own. I definitely didn't have a midwife or anything with me. Um, and then I got up there and I was met by a midwife. But I didn't have my bags for a while because I remember sitting there in my tracksuit being like, 
do I get under the covers? Do I like just kind of lying there being like, what do I do here? Um, and yeah, so it felt very much like the middle of the night, I think then. Well, I guess it was, it was midnight, but like the corridors were so dark. I felt like we were the only ward, but like I presume six beds were not the only people in labor in the return to that night. But there just didn't seem to be anyone else around except for my ward. And as far as I could tell, there was only one other girl that seemed to be in the kind of pain I was in. Like the girls across from me, I don't know if they were in being monitored or something, but they were kind of, they didn't seem to be in labor as far as I know. And I met one of them the next day and she still wasn't. Um, So they put me on a trace straight away and they felt that the, or they said the baby's heartbeat was very high. Um, So they wanted to give me fluids. So they gave me two big bags of fluid and I like, I am someone who needs to go to the toilet a lot at the best times, let alone nine months pregnant. And then with two bags of fluid and they kept, that was the worst part. Like I kept saying, please, can I go to the toilet? And they were like, 20 more minutes. I was just there being like, oh, I felt like it was making the contractions worse. The fact that my bladder was so full. Um, but anyway, they gave me gas and air at that stage. And yeah, the gas and air really worked at the beginning. Um, I put on my sleep mask and I put my headphones in and I think I listened to like my favorite, like chilled out music. And I actually remember thinking like, how is this legal <laughs> Like that we're allowed to be like, I just, <laughs> I was actually thinking like, you're obviously not allowed to have a drink your whole pregnancy or like, you know, you should avoid so many foods. And then I am here high as a kite and I'm still pregnant. I'm like, how is this allowed? It was just felt mad. Um, but I've heard people describe that they're like, oh, I hated it because you lose control and you're talking, you're babbling or whatever. But because you've no one with you, actually, I was lying there being like, I'm glad I've no one with me because I'm just lying here like, I don't know. Uh, it definitely took my mind off the pain for sure. Um, for, I would imagine, what was a couple of hours. Um, and then I think that kind of stopped working for me. Um, I, my one thing I didn't want was pethidin. I was very sure I didn't want that um because I'd heard I think in that antenatal class that that can get into the baby's bloodstream or whatever and I just had it in my head it wasn't getting that but they were definitely trying to push that on me because I think everyone else in the ward was like snoring around me and it was appealing but I just was strong that I didn't want that um so the gas and air stopped working definitely or wore off and they had said to me sorry they had assessed me when I came in I forgot to say that much and they had said I was one centimeter um so Connor had been outside in the car and I was like, go home. We're literally eight minute drive from the rotunda and they're going to break my waters at seven in the morning. Keep your phone on loud. I'll ring you if we need you. Like, honestly, get some sleep because tomorrow is going to be a long day. So off he went and there was no way I was sleeping. So my sister lives in America. So thankfully, I'd heard to text through the night. Um, and like that, I was going like, this is the worst pain ever. And then I guess I do the gas and air or something. And I'd be like, manageable. It's fine. And then, yeah, it seemed to be the worst pain ever again. So at three o'clock oh sorry at two o'clock they took the pessary out they decided that that was the reason for the baby's high heart rate and the contractions did get like slightly more manageable then and then at three o'clock my waters broke um and the first thing the midwife came over and said was are you sure you haven't wet yourself because I've been talking so much about going to the toilet I was I don't think that's wet. My, I don't think that's wet myself. Like it just seemed to keep coming. And then they were like, no, hang on. There's the bloody show and the mucus plug. Everything seemed to happen at once. Um, so they changed the sheets, whatever else. And then it definitely intensified from there. Um, so that was from three o'clock um, at maybe half five. No, five. I was like, please, like I 
need this epidural. They were like, you need to wait till there's a deli- delivery suite available. Um, but you're only two centimeters. So, or I was still even one centimeter or two centimeters. They were like, there's people way ahead of you. Like you won't be going down there until for a couple of hours. So I was like, is there anything else other than Panadol or gas and air that you can give me? So they were like, do you want to take a bath? Like lots of people find that helpful. I was like, look, as long as it gets me out of this labor word, grand. So I went down and actually at the start, the bath really helped. Um, again, I put on my hypnobirthing tracks. Um, yeah. And I felt at the beginning, like I had a contraction. I remember being like, that didn't feel as bad. Okay. Maybe this is the answer. I'll stay here until I have the baby. Um, and I'd say I was a good hour in the bath. Um, they had brought the gas and air in, but I was like, that seems dodgy to be doing that in the bath. Um, but towards the end, it got really intense. And eventually the midwife came in and I said to her, I think I need to push or I, I need to do a poo. Like, and she was like, OK, out of the bath. So she was like, dry off and come back into me. And I was sitting on the toilet at that stage and I was like running like cold water on my wrists. I felt like I was going to faint. And she was like, as soon as that contraction ends, we need to assess you. Brought me back down to the ward. And I was like, this is it now, go time. And she was like, you're two centimeters. It's like, oh my, like this couldn't be it. I now know what I know now. Look, like I've read up on transition. I now know that when I was in the bath by the signs of it, that was transition. Because at one point I remember thinking, I feel like I could die, but I don't even care at this point, as long as this pain is over. Like this is probably the end of my life, but that's fine as long as it's the end. <laughs> so I think that sounds like it might've been transition. So they brought me back to the ward. I was two centimeters, but they said, the good thing is your cervix is fully ripened or whatever they say. They were like, it's really good for labor, but we still, you still have a few centimeters to go. Um, and then I took down the timings actually, because I found them out since. So let me just check out that I'm right. Yeah. So that was 5.55. I was two centimeters. From there, I started to feel like I'm going to vomit. I'm going to faint. I thought it like the bath had obviously been too hot. And at 6.20, they checked me and said, okay, you're four centimeters. So that was 25 minutes later. So it was great. Texted Connor and was like, come in now. I'm four centimeters. Still thought I had hours, but I was like, I just want this epidural and him in here. So he texted back like, oh, cool. I'm just going to hop in the shower here and then I'll be in. I was like, no, no shower. Get in here now. <laughs> And I had this like tunnel vision that I just needed to get down to the delivery suite. This like urgency came over me. So they started packing my bags. And I literally was like, just leave it. Just go, 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 go. And the poor midwife, like she was like, just in your shoes. I was like, I don't need shoes. I don't need shoes. If you told me that I never choose again, like I was just like, just get me down, get the epidurals. They wheeled me down in a wheelchair, got into the delivery suite and was met with these two gorgeous midwives. But like, I honestly had to say to them like I'm so sorry to be rude I can't even like introduce myself could you just get me the epidural like please just ring them so they were like fine fine so they rang and said we need the epidural and they said we're just gonna check you we need to put you up and do I think a trace and then literally you'll have the epidural in five minutes so grand put me up on the bed and she just said that's the head there's no epidural coming the head is coming out now I was like what so that was so 620 was four centimeters. 630 was brought to the delivery suite, and 635 I had the urge to push. With 636, the head was visible. So they were like, Do you want to feel the head? Which I did. And then they were like, Where's dad? Like, where's the partner? So I was like, He's on the way, he's on the way. Will you ring him? So I gave them my phone. God love him. Like he answered the phone, being like, Hi, are you feeling okay? They were like, This is the midwife. And um, the head's coming. Are you nearby? He was like, oh, I'm putting on the alarm. I'm putting on the alarm. Can you wait for me? God love him. And they were like, don't crash the car. 
we'll do our best, but just get here as soon as you can to stay calm. But like at that stage, like that hypnobirthing, whatever words that they say that your birthing body takes over, like there was no, for me, I just remember feeling like there's no stopping this and I don't even care. This just needs, the urgency was it needed to get out. So yeah, the urge to push was 6.35, head visible 6.36, head delivered 6.45 and baby delivered 6.46. So it was like, bang, bang, bang. Um, Yeah, but I honestly, in that moment, felt, looking back, I didn't think at all that was the most painful part. Um, Having never wanted a natural delivery, always thought I'd have an epidural on every painkiller under the sun. Actually, the pushing was definitely not the worst bit. Um, and I'm quite amazed now that I actually felt every little bit of it. You know what I mean? And it was so quick, obviously. But yeah, poor Connor arrived into the hospital um, and he got up. This was the worst part. He got up to the nurse's station and said, like, just thinking, just thinking. And they said, she's already had the baby. So that's how we found out, which I don't know whether it would be better for him to walk in and see, but I just think it was very insensitive. He just said, he just was like, oh, geez. So he walked in and anyway, as he says, as soon as he saw that healthy baby in my arms and I was, he said it was like he ran into me in the supermarket. I was so calm. Like I went from like push, push, push to like, hi, baby's here. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Um, yeah. And just from that moment, to be honest, we decided we wouldn't make a thing of him having not been there because the baby was healthy and we were so elated that it was just like, what does it matter? You weren't there. Um, yeah. And then we just had a really lovely few hours, just all of us together and getting to know our little man. Wow. Oh, gosh, that definitely <laughs> sounds like tra- transition. I was only speaking to a few people the other day about transition and some of them were so funny. <laughs> some of the mm-hmm. women were saying, yeah, no, I just wanted to get my coat and leave. Like I was done. Yeah. So bye. Yeah. I said to my partner, like I'm, I'm going, <laughs> can we go now? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that definitely sounds like that's what you, that's what your body was yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. but it was quite powerful. Like I was saying earlier that it was in the bath because I'd had such a thing of my daily baths the yeah. whole way through my pregnancy. But I was like, it's kind of amazing. It happened in the bath and kind of, yeah, followed through that way. And your body was telling you just to get down to that delivery suite. Like you just yeah. needed to go and you're, yeah, it was. Just amazing how much naturally your body just knows what's going on even though your mind mightn't and um, but I had done since that I've done birth reflections in the rotunda and um, you go through with the midwife about your experience and basically just get the details that's what I wanted was had I imagined this wrong like would they actually be like ah geez no you weren't only four centimeters or it wasn't that fast so they were the timings that I read out there were from her but she said the most traumatized women and obviously she speaks to a lot of women of different birth types um are usually the rapid birth. And she was like, the fact like your story would often be a very traumatized woman, but she believes that hypnobirthing meant I allowed my birthing body to take over as they say, and just let it happen. Um, and I didn't feel traumatized at all following the birth. Um, like obviously in retrospect, we're like, Oh, it would have been great if Connor had been there, but like, I don't feel any trauma following it. Um, or negative experience really apart from him not having been there. And how long could Connor stay with you after Harley's birth? So it worked to our advantage that the rotunda was so busy at the time because they had no room in postnatal for me. So they had to keep me in the delivery suite for, like I had him at 6.46 and I didn't leave the delivery suite until 2 p.m. So they said to us, as long as I was there, Connor was allowed there. And um, so that really worked in our favor that it felt like we had a private room for that whole time. And like I got my meals and everything brought up to there and yeah, it was so lovely. And then he was back in for visiting hours from five till seven. So, I mean, I'd say they also took pity on us having known he wouldn't be there for the birth. They were like, leave them in the delivery suite. But it was lovely. We had the whole day nearly to spend the three of us. 
I know you wanted to breastfeed. So how mm-hmm. did that go? How did he latch for the first time? Yeah, so he did latch on straight away. I was lucky I had a lot of, I had um, been leaking colostrum from about 32 weeks. So that was a good sign. Um, and he did, like, when I say latch, as in the midwife kept saying he's great, he's latching on. I think he was just kind of finding the nipple and whatever else. And then someone in the hospital, I don't know who it was, it must have been some midwife, on my ward told me I didn't really have to worry about him actually feeding. It was just about him kind of getting familiar with the nipple. So I think for about 24 or 48 hours, like I wasn't feeding him properly. When I look back, like my poor child is probably starving until the domino midwife came out and kind of showed me properly what I needed to do to properly breastfeed. And I think it was only then on about day two, we properly started feeding. Um, Unfortunately, I got mastitis eight days after I had him. Um, So I was in so much pain with breastfeeding. But once I got through, so I was back in the rotunda with that um, just for a couple of hours, but to put me on a, antibiotic drip and give me antibiotics but then once I got through that I was like right if I've had mastitis I'm not giving up now <laughs> keep going um and then he had tongue tie so we had to get that snipped at three weeks um and again once we got through that I was like we'll be fine and now we're still four and a half months in combination feeding now but I'm still breastfeeding yeah so it is great we got over all those little bits but it wasn't easy like breastfeeding is not easy um, and how did you feel physically when you got home it's very shocking we prepare so much for our pregnancies mm. and labor but we don't I think don't spend enough time preparing for those early postpartum days and recovery yeah so I I wanted to leave the rotunda like when Connor was leaving the delivery suite at 3 p.m I was like I'm fine I didn't even get an epidural I am like superwoman here I just want to go home and um, thankfully they didn't let me because they were like you want to breastfeed you're staying overnight and we don't have the facilities set up to check you out now and um, so I did do the first night and I actually hated being in the hospital that night because Harley was really quiet and he didn't really cry at all and everyone's babies were just screaming and I was lying there being like I could be at home my baby's so quiet these babies are all screaming and um, so I was dying to get home I didn't shower in the hospital because I actually felt I didn't want to leave him for that long to go and have a shower because we didn't have anyone in there. Um, and I feel like during visiting hours, the showers are, everyone's having showers then. So I was go- knew I was going home the next morning. Um, so I was actually so excited to get home to have a shower and go to my own bed. Um, and that first night, my parents came over. That's all a total blur, actually. But I was very prepared for the cluster feeding that night, which we had. So by the following day, I was just shattered. I remember, but we took it really easy. Like I made no plans. I did stay in pajamas essentially for two weeks. I did the placenta encapsulation, which I found brilliant. Um, I've obviously never not done it. I've never had another baby, but I definitely found my energy was quite good for those first few weeks. Actually good until I finished them a couple of weeks ago. Um, So yeah, I definitely like physically... I just did Nurofen round the clock and tried not to think about anything about down there. I only had a um, level two tear or whatever. So they said it wasn't too bad. And I did, I think, recover quite well. Um, I felt physically okay, like two or three weeks after and bleeding had stopped and things. Um, so yeah, apart from feeling a bit like you got hit by a bus, <laughs> hormonally, I actually think I was quite good. And I would maybe attribute that to the placenta encapsulation as well. You mentioned there that your parents were in your house when you brought Harley home. So what was your policy around visitors in general? What did you decided? Yeah, so we didn't have visitors in the house. um, Apart, we had immediate family. um, And 
yeah, that was it. We don't have huge families, either of us. And friends did like drive-bys and things like that, but we didn't have people coming into the house at that stage because it was still COVID. And we restricted it very much to families and our families were very happy to kind of restrict their movements and not be seeing other people so that they could see us. Um, So that was great. I mean, I can't imagine having done it without my mum, you know, without her support and she's like a baby whisperer. So I can't imagine having done it without her around. Um, Yeah, so just even to be able to take a bath, take a shower. Yeah, yeah. Someone to tell the two of you you're doing a good job, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're questioning everything and someone to say, this is really good. (laughs) You're doing really well. He's really content. Um, Yeah, I think it's really important to have had family around for that. I know you've recently started doing a few bits and pieces in work, which is really nice to see Mm. you back in action again. How have you felt making that transition back into work? I know it's on a part time basis. And also, how have you found breastfeeding going back to work as well? Yeah, I did my first Zoom meeting three weeks after I had him and that was like I'm preparing for the Oscars like I had like my makeup my I don't even know why I made such an effort but I was like I need to act like I don't have a baby in this meeting and like I'm still capable um but god love the people who were like chatting to me knew that I just had a baby as well so it wasn't for very long and then I did a few kind of instagram me related things that I could do from home in those first few weeks but I started doing Ireland AM again at 11 when he was 11 weeks which actually like that first time getting him prepared seemed like, you know, a mountain to climb. But now I'm in a routine of it and I only do it twice a month. So it's just, I know how much I need to pump, what the routine is, how much I need to organize the night before. And actually I love leaving the house for those few hours and just not necessarily having anything, to, not necessarily having to talk about your day-to-day being a mom, like just escaping and being you before you were a mom for a few hours. Um, I'm very lucky that I get to dip into work like this and not have to be back full time. So even childcare wise, it's very manageable at the moment. And the full days are harder. I've done two full day shoots where like just trying to prepare breastfeeding wise and pumping and even just being away for that long. They're definitely much harder. But the Ireland AM mornings are grand in gone and back in three hours. So it's they're they're fine. They're very manageable. Yeah, he doesn't even notice I'm gone really. Yeah, it's so nice having those hours where you're not responsible. You don't have to be the one who has to keep an eye on them all the time just to not have to watch them. Yeah. The first time I'm texting every 20 minutes, like, all okay, all okay, all okay. And like the last yeah, yeah. time, like, I think once I was like, you grant? <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'll see you when I'm back. Because, <laughs> yeah, you get less and less, I guess, you get more and more trusting that anyone else can handle your child for a few hours. Um, and you're pumping as well. Is that right? How's that going? Yeah. So I've introduced formula now. So in the evening time, I pump now at like nine or 10 o'clock. And I kind of just did that because that was the first bottle of formula I did. And I wanted to have frozen breast milk bottles for when I'm working. So then I have seven a week the way I do it that way. And so that's typically the only one I pump. But then if I was away from for a long time, just trying to keep the supply going. But I'm definitely finding, I think this week, my supply might have dipped a bit because I've introduced the second bottle of formula. And I don't know, but I I feel like it's kind of, I'm kind of holding on to the supply as best I can. Um, Yeah, it's hard to know, but yeah. Yeah, but I don't plan on breastfeeding past six months. So if it ends a little bit early, you know, so be it. But I'm going to try to keep going for six months anyway. Well, Justine, thank you so much for that lovely chat. I think your outlook on the whole experience that you had is admirable. So thank you for, yeah, thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Again, I just want to mention our care kits. We're so close to the target of €1,500. You'll see all the information surrounding the care kit in the link in my bio. But basically, it's just these little boxes of very basic toiletries for parents who have unexpected hospital stays, similar to what I had last month when I arrived at the hospital with a phone charger, everything that my daughter could ever want and I ended up staying there for two days with uh, with nothing but the support of my family thankfully they were close by but what if they weren't so yeah I would love your support we're nearly there and I can't wait to show you a final sample in a couple of weeks with all the gorgeous bits and pieces in it flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.